0: Hello and welcome to the Pressing Matters podcast. Wow, what a busy week of football it's been again. Uh, I'm Sam Hyde. I'm joined, uh, as ever, by local football expert, Toby Prisiver. Hello, Toby. Hello, hello. Local now, is it, Sam? Yeah, local Local to everyone. You know, you're a uh, boy next door.
1: Right, OK, yeah. No, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Um, I think I'd like to come out with some more questionable takes, actually. I think I might go for more... More outrageous calls. That's going to be my uh, okay. New Year's resolution,
0: okay? Have you got any New Year's resolutions? Uh, no, I just sort of take it as it comes. Maybe really. to watch so, yeah. more football.
1: Or, or complain less about refs. Actually, no, that's, that's not a good New Year's resolution.
0: Excited to hear some of these uh, hot takes. Hope you're going to be uh, calling for some sackings or, you know, just being really cynical about everyone. Yeah.
1: Probably just being more miserable about things actually is is probably the, the hottest of takes that I can come up with, but hey, nothing nothing wrong with that, right?
0: No? Well, uh, the most pressing matter this week, uh, I think most people would agree, was uh, Arsenal against Man United. Uh, everyone seemed to really enjoy watching the game. Uh, Arsenal obviously won 3-2, which put them five points clear ahead of Man City with uh, a game in hand. Uh Also, Arsenal have reached the halfway point of the season uh, with 50 points. So, obviously, uh, you can do the maths, but... Centurions to be,
1: is it? (laughs) Wow! Here you go, hot take off the bat. Oh, if you're not
0: Centurions, you've bottled it. (laughs) Uh, And Arteta should be sacked.
1: (laughs) Yeah? We we happy with that as a hot take?
0: Yeah, 99 points. uh, Arteta, get out. Get, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: i out, wheel out the banners, Sam. You know, Wenger caught, Wenger caught some heat for less. Anyway,
0: it's 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 funny though that we can have this conversation because people have uh, very quickly uh, turned around on Arteta and uh, manager of the month last month. He's nominated again this month uh you know people like alan shearer who do a team of the week for the premier league uh he seems to be a pretty common common choice for the manager of the week uh are you impressed with how things have gone I think I want to get sort of an outsider perspective on
1: okay okay my outsider out of the Arsenal bubble yeah I'm I'm very impressed I mean remember at the start of the season everyone was saying that Spurs had won the window or at least won the window in terms of the North London rivalry of course Um, obviously it shows that first off nobody knows anything um, when it comes to the world of transfers and how they'll perform and second off um, you know Trust trust in the process, I guess, right? Trust in the process. You, you, you can't just bring in a Conte to win immediately when the league is this competitive and you're Spurs and you're starting in a terrible place anyway. And uh, But to keep you on Arsenal, let's not just go off on a tangent immediately. To keep you on Arsenal, yeah, very, very impressed. Can't really say that, you know, be hard to sit here and say that I'm not impressed when it's played 19 one So, yeah, very, very impressive. Um, Would be excited. I'm excited to see you in the Champions League. And I'm also looking forward to seeing how you do in the Premier League and Champions League simultaneously next season. And and what effects that has. Um, So, yeah, yeah. But but credit where it's due. Arsenal have been fantastic. Arteta... Has been fantastic, even if he is a bit of a petulant man on the
0: sidelines. Um, but hey, well, uh, that seems to be quite a big talking point, and I think it feels a little bit manufactured. How much it has been talked about,
1: but Sam, it's it's manufactured, but it's manufactured for one reason, and and it's and it's a compliment, right? It's a compliment yeah, um, in the because... same way that everyone liked Klopp. Liverpool start winning actually regularly and consistently and look dominant. Or all of a sudden, everyone's loving his clop hugs and his shouting and his fist pumping on the sideline and then it becomes insufferable. It's not insufferable. What's insufferable is the fact that you're winning every game and it's frustrating to watch. Mm -hmm. And every single rival fan is watching Arsenal thinking, oh, I can't wait for this to be the game where they slip up or this to be the game where they falter. And they don't. And it's it's frustrating to watch, um, but it's frustrating yeah. because of how good you are. So the same applies to the Arteta situation at the moment. He's no more annoying or no more feisty or no more in your face than other elite number one manager at the time have been. So uh, enjoy it, revel in it, Sam. Is what it would be yeah. my advice
0: to you. But- this is the thing as well, like I feel like every every week I uh, hear on the commentary the commentators bring up uh Mikhail Arteta as being out of his technical area and uh who cares, basically. We're we're not gonna talk about this uh any longer than we should <laughs> because uh, if he's you know two steps outside of his technical area you know what difference does it really make but what i
1: would say though what i would say is that he does he does also sorry this is the last point on this he does also try to engineer decisions that i'm not i'm not brushing over that either there's certainly a um uh and intent with a lot of the things he does, I reckon, you know, it's things like, I mean, I can't remember who it was that he's trying to get booked and he's out waving the, waving the imaginary slice of cheese around four. But point being, he's doing that with purpose. He's, it's not head loss. Um, it's, crucial to get certain players booked early on, not crucial, it's not going to change it it could change the game, but it's not going to win you the game in that moment, but let's say you've got, I don't know, I can't remember who it was, but let's say you've got Saka running at Yeah, it was Luke Shaw at left back Luke Shaw at left back, you know, you get him booked early against Saka and it's all a a doddle at that point, Sam, do you know what I mean? So so I do think it's engineered, I do think it's with purpose, and I do think it's uh, like you know he's 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 gaming the officials a bit as well but you need to you need to look it's you're sitting at the top of the league at the top of the table 5 points clear a game in hand and city will be hunting you down i don't think they're the same city that they have been but they still are exceptional and will be hunting you down so i understand it but that's the last the last bit on Mikel's antics i would say
0: yeah his, his energy like feeds into the team, and it's you know he's completely allowed to do it. But uh, people get annoyed by it for whatever reason. Um, but, but obviously, he, he,
1: sorry, sorry, <laughs> he is also on the brink of delivering something for the first time, in not on the brink. That makes it it's half through the season. But the way you've been playing, you would expect you to continue playing that way, right? You don't have things that are going to come and interrupt this flow of starting eleven. Everyone said, oh, if Gabriel just gets injured it'll all come to a grinding halt it hasn't um so there's organic fire that is in the bellies of not only Arteta but also of the players and it's beautiful to be a fan and be able to watch that when I was watching um Big Jurg's Mighty Reds march to the Champions League finals and and Premier League title it was there was no better feeling Sam
0: the hint of sadness in that, but yeah. uh, I'm just I'm just going to ignore that. I think and move on. Okay. Um, but it's yeah, it is interesting that you bring up Jesus because uh, you know he he seemed to make such a big difference at the start of the season. Uh, you know he he didn't get loads of goals, but you know football is obviously a lot more than just how many goals each player gets, uh, and the way that he transformed the attack, I think. Um you've seen Martinelli's numbers drop off uh quite a lot uh since Jesus has been injured, and that's because of how if um how much more fluid the attack can be with Jesus playing. Um Jesus likes to drift wide left quite a lot, which allows Martinelli to underlap. Um you know it was working so well at the start of the season and now obviously Jesus has got this big injury.
1: Yeah, well, also, just just touching on that, you know, if the striker is facilitating the wide forwards to score more, then there's no issue there. It doesn't matter who's got the number on the back of the shirt and who's scoring the goals, right? Um, something that you could look at with with City and, and Liverpool now in terms of a bit of a comparison, you know, they never had that number nine previously. It meant they had a lot more control in games um, because they weren't looking for the final ball as much, I would say, uh, and you know, or the central final ball, so attacks wouldn't break down in central areas as much, maybe. Um, Whereas now you look at Haaland and Nunes, obviously that's a difficult comparison to make, they both had very different seasons, but let's just take Haaland, for example, or, um, well, no, because his numbers are astronomical and and ridiculous, there's deeper issues there, I suppose, in terms of, of what implications playing an out-and-out striker has on the system but let's say Liverpool with Roberto Firmino you know, he was the number nine but he wasn't the goal scorer in the team but it didn't matter we still went on and won you know, trophies and things because because of what he did for the team and I'm not saying Gabriel Jesus is exactly the same kind of player or exactly that model or anything but you don't need a, an out-and-out goal scorer as the number nine down the middle to be successful.
0: Yeah, and you can look at Arsenal's top goal scorers this season and it's very evenly spread between Martinelli, Saka, Erdegaard, uh Jesus and Enkettia. They've you know, they've all got sort of seven to nine goals, I think. Uh, Jesus obviously has less because of his injury.
1: Yeah. And I mean would you take one thirty goal season strike or would you take four attacking players who are chipping in with plenty? Um you know it's always it's always that
0: it feels more consistent long term to be able to have loads of different players that are getting the same amount of goals because you know at the end of the day if Jesus was getting 30 goals a season or whatever and then he got this injury like he did Arsenal would be in big trouble so uh, yeah it's more
1: sustainable it's more sustainable um you you're chipping in from different areas just a quick question for you Sam what happens when Jesus is back
0: yeah well uh I think people have increasingly short memories with football, and obviously, Enketia has basically been as good as you could have expected, really. Probably better than anyone would have expected. Uh, especially because he hadn't really done an awful lot to uh, warrant his sort of wage increase that he got uh, at the end of last season. Not to mention the fabled number 14 shirt. Oh, uh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Uh as much as he has looked like on Rui at times this season. I I feel that Enketia is uh m- much more of a limited player than Jesus. I think if you think back to the 0 nil against Newcastle, uh Jesus is a player that would un- unlock a defense much more effectively than playing with um Nketiah. And uh yeah, playing against bigger teams or teams where you know, I think the less time that Inquietia has on the ball, the better he is. Uh, when you see him sort of, um, you know, taking the ball to feet and he's not in the box, then he looks a little bit unsure of what to do. Whereas Jesus was one of the top players in Europe for like uh, both touches in the box and like the way that he can carry the ball uh, yeah.
1: forward, sort of fluidity, I guess, on the ball breaking forwards and linking with others. I think Nketiah has good link-up play, though. I haven't seen a huge amount of Enketty, but it seems like he's got good link-up play to a point. But it is that you want the final ball going into him, right? You want the, the, the final action yeah. to break down at him because he's either scored or, look, it has been saved or gone wide or whatever. But,
0: um, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I think Jesus would probably need a bit of uh, eating back into it as well, which will probably, probably be good for, for both players, but you know at the end of the day it's two good strikers to choose between it's uh, not necessarily a bad thing at all
1: absolutely and imagine you you are chasing games look i know it's a change of shape and change of system and the system and shape's been fantastic so far but you know imagine being able to play both of them especially when one of them is like a is Jesus who wants to sort of drop in and, and link anyway um i'm not saying you should go starting games with both of them up top but it would be fun to see you know, them both on the pitch together with sort of Saka and Martinelli outside of them and you start playing like an aggressive four-two-four. could be fun.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, this is a thing like when you're squad building as well as, you know, you have to start with the 11 basically, but Arsenal seem to be getting to a point where, you know, where they brought in Trossard in January and there's no real obvious place that Trossard slots into in that 11 exactly but you know he's going to be a a really good uh, option who potentially could be starting ahead of Martinelli or you know I don't know why you know if he played him in the middle maybe I don't know or even wing back you know it could be could be anything but we've we've just getting that sort of competition for places as well that Arsenal didn't have uh when Arteta came in
1: yeah and and I mentioned you know next season looking at the sort of watching Arsenal and how they how with how dominant they've been in the first half of this season how that will carry into look like, things will change anyway and other teams will reinforce and and fight back and, and things like that like next season I'm uh, sorry to get carried away and take your fun season away from you already but you know looking at them playing Champions League and and big Champions League ties midweek and then still being able to go again on the weekend having that Trossard where you're looking at it and you're thinking well, hang on what is our best front three is exactly what you want um especially a player who's versatile and can cover multiple positions in like that forward mm-hmm. line like you said wide or or down the middle um i think it it would be fun to watch like Trossard Martinelli on the left Saka on the right and Odegaard behind them in the in the Champions League that's a that's a fun team and and that's, and you know, Gabriel Jesus as well, and Ketia as well, it's, it is a fun team at the moment, Arsenal, but Trossard doesn't take away from that.
0: I just want to talk about Trossard a little bit as well, because uh, I thought he looked pretty good, did everything that he needed to do in terms of uh, sort of driving at their defence, but not being too risky. But also that, um, you know, I think people forget that Trossard actually started the season really well, especially under Potter, and that when we signed Trossard, he actually had more goals in the league than... Both Saka and Martinelli did so.
1: Hey, hey, that's a very good,
0: that's a, yeah, that's a
1: very good stat attack there. I like it.
0: Um, so it seems it seems like it could be good business. I know it's a lot to to judge. Yeah, I
1: think so. I think so. I think it it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I I I don't think it's one where rival fans can jump on it and say, "Oh, this is shocking or whatever." Because even if it doesn't really work out, I mean, like. Like you said, he's no direct replacement for a front line, for for a starting player anyway. So there's and, and he'll probably be more successful because of that, because there's less pressure and he he can settle into an already functioning system. Um, and there's no spotlight on him to turn something around or for him to perform in a in a, in a way that's going to carry you up the table or make you you know it's not the he's not being signed and it's like oh well, now we've got to be title challengers or now there's an emphasis. So he'll probably he'll probably be even better because of that
0: just going back to the United game as well it felt like this was kind of a big game for Zinchenko where people have uh you know the general public have come around to Zinchenko as being a good signing for Arsenal is you know he was incredible uh he had so many touches all over the pitch like he is he's not really a left back even though that's where he starts he's more of like You know, his touch map looks like a box-to-box midfielder, like he was getting to the right half-space at times. Um, And he just feels like this was the game where everyone is, like, realising how important Zinchenko has been for Arsenal this season. He's missed a lot of games with injury, which hasn't helped. Um, You know, there was a long stretch of games where he wasn't playing at all, so people kind of forgot about how good he was. But um, yeah, he's been really crucial for how Arsenal play this season. Yeah, I think
1: he he just comes in and gives so much control as well. You talk about the touches. I remember seeing it and the areas he can create overloads. It's like he's got a free roll from left back. Um, so comfortable on the ball. Huge range of passes. Uh, Press resistant. You can't really, you know, box him into a corner and, and, and you know, he can, he can play out. Um, I think it's fantastic. I was a bit frustrated, though, with, like, Anthony, I suppose.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. Like every game. Well,
1: I, I remember watching other players like, I don't know, I think Zinchenko, look, fantastic. But I think there is weakness 1v1 defensively if you can isolate him against a very quick, aggressive mm-hmm. winger. Um, I don't think he's particularly bad at it. I don't think it's a glaring hold in his game. I just don't think he's as good at it as, you know, other players. And, and in this league, you, you can be found out because there are some fantastic right wingers. Um it might have been yeah, most Salah probably. that i remember watching run past him which probably isn't too fair to be to be honest either either but i just feel like if you have a roaming left back who's who can be got at 1v1 defensively and he's also vacating his position anyway at times fair enough when arsenal was sort of in comfortable settled possession but as a right winger surely you've got to be going to having a bigger influence on the game um if that's what you're up
0: against, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I I don't rate Anthony at all based on this season. Uh, I, I've only watched like, you know, four or five of his games to be honest. But uh, he's not someone that, someone that would frighten me going against.
1: Yeah, this. I don't I don't understand. I think my look, he could he could turn out to be fantastic or, or whatever, right? But I think my biggest thing with him at the moment is I'm not seeing what I don't see the the USP, right? I don't see the unique selling point. I'm not looking at blistering pace. I'm not looking at... He's not, like, got some iron robin cutting and shoot technical ability. He scored a few goals from cutting and shooting, but I feel like some of them have been keeper errors and things like that. I don't think it's been anything too unsavable. I don't think it's been anything that is, like, copy and paste and undefendable. Um, Yeah, good technical ability, but like we said, you know, he's up against Sinchenko where you'd want him to run at him. You'd want him to... You'd want him to back Zinchenko up into his box and 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 take him on and and force him, force Zinchenko to make a decision. When he makes a decision, there's more chance he's going to make a mistake because he's either going to commit and get done if he's this incredible technical winger that you know he might be, Anthony, or he doesn't he doesn't commit. He backs off. He backs off, and you're in a position where you can get in on your left foot and then and then and then threaten the goal. But I just don't I don't know what I don't know what I'm meant to be seeing. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is, people always bring up the Iron Robin thing as like saying like a model. When people criticize Anthony for just being able to cut inside and shoot, they were like, "Oh, well, Iron Robin did it." But you know, that was like nearly twenty years ago, and that's like one player that specifically did that well. Like, you know, people could make the same argument about Andrew Towns, then, couldn't they? That like, you know, always like Iron Robin, he just cuts in and shoots or whatever. Yeah. You know, was-
1: but Iron Robin did have a, a Thanos inevitability about him, right? It was like a, you know what he's going to do, but you can't stop him. Andros Townsend, I, I, I don't think quite. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, that's my point about Anthony. I'm not getting gr- it.
1: Great winger. No, no, no. But I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And also it was a different time. It was defences. Defending was viewed in a different way anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, And also Iron Robin was ridiculously good at it. This guy isn't Iron Robin. This guy isn't going to be Iron Robin. Right. That's, that's. I don't know. If he was Iron Robin, we'd know about it because he'd be sensational. If he had that cut in and shoot, I'm doing this and you can't stop me kind of thing, we'd have seen it because he'd be doing it. I don't think he's going to develop that. But having said that, off the ball, I think he's probably fairly smart and things like that. I think he's shown um, good good positional awareness in terms of cutting down uh, passing lanes, to limit other players breaking down that sort of first line of pressure. Um, and I think he's, he's, you know, obviously has some tactical tactical awareness in that sense and um, sort of an attitude to counter press. But in terms of on the ball, I'm yet to see anything that I'm, I'm really like, this guy's going to take United up a level, you know? In fact, it's been the other wing that we've seen a player who mm. looks like he's gone up a, up a gear and, and, is going to be a driving force to United success.
0: Yeah, well, you're talking about Marcus Rashford. I imagine he uh, sure am. scored uh, five times in his last six games. I believe was yeah, five, or in five of his last six games.
1: He looks great. He looks in incredible shape. He looks like he looks like a player who had always had a huge amount of talent, always had great physical attributes, always was best when he was direct. And he has had a manager who has come in who has just said, we have a structure, we have a system. The system clearly um, works, you know, to a, to a degree better than like it did under other managers that they've had. He has a clear plan and he looks like a player who's thriving in a team that where he knows other people's roles so that he can not not have a role i don't i don't mean that he's just got some free role where he can do what he wants but i mean he's like being told specifically what to do out of possession and when he gets the ball he's confident because he knows where his players will be around him he knows what the what the plan is if you like and it's just allowing him to thrive and he's still not in my fpl so hopefully this comes to an end and it's just a purple patch but anyway that's a oh, well, that's a personal
0: uh, matter he has got a double game week next week Probably so. uh might Actually, be a on on FPL, I've I've had an
1: absolute howler, Sam. To be honest, I'm going to have to tell you now because <laughs> you won't be you won't be impressed with me. I forgot about the FA Cup, and I was in work, not bored, but just a lot was going on, and I was like, you know what? I just need five minutes. Let's just look at FBL, Cool. Yeah. Didn't look at the dates properly. I knew it was FA Cup because we spoke about it being the FA Cup and they're not being football this weekend, and yet, in the whirlwind of work, I end up. Sorting my team out. And I went for some rogue decisions as well. But anyway.
0: Well, how could you forget about the FA Cup? It's everyone's favourite time of the year when the Premier League starts.
1: The FA Cup is so lucky that the League Cup is atrocious, to be honest.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's true.
1: How are Nottingham Forest and Southampton in the semi-final? Uh... Difficult question to I've answer. I've not watched. Look, they deserve I've to be fired. there. They are, they're there, so they deserve to be there. Fine. But just how how is it already the semi final? And how is it those two clubs?
0: Do you want to know how many League Cup games I've watched this season? None. Yeah. Nice. So, I watched a
1: couple, but I can't I couldn't tell you what they were, actually. What did I uh,
0: maybe I I uh, maybe I watched Liverpool Wolves actually, it's like FA Cup, uh, League Cup. That was FA, FA Cup. Cup. That was FA Cup.
1: And I had to watch that <laughs> twice. Do you know what that does to you? It ages you. Watching Liverpool this season have to play extra <laughs> games was enough pain, as it was. Um, I haven't to them play Wolves as well. Which is, uh, although, Stefan Badgetich played, so every cloud. Anyway, well, there's a few other points. There's a few other big points cause, uh, to, to discuss. Um, I'm going to go for two of them now, and you tell me what you want to talk about, Sam. All right? Look at this, I've just flipped it <laughs> on you. So, transfer window. Everton have you know, the farcical club that they are have obviously sacked their manager but tried to sign Dan Juma the day after, but then also had that hijacked by Tottenham. How what a sensational turn of events. Um in 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 Tom Fulry. And the other thing in terms of it being a transfer window is Weston McKenney going to Leeds. Now, what would you like to discuss first? Or,
0: uh, sorry, allegedly, well, rumours of him going to Leeds.
1: I'm not some ITK.
0: Let's talk about Everton first, because the Dan Dreamer thing, I don't, I don't know, it's not like a massive signing for Tottenham, is it? It's just like a bit of extra depth.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay, Everton, yeah, but it's just hilarious, it's just comical, right? It's just... It's yeah, just...
0: no, The interesting thing is Everton, not uh, not the Tottenham side.
1: It's it's just so Everton, right? <laughs>
0: they just they just so awful. Um had he had to go. Um you're a you're a big fan of uh, Frank Lampard's uh, work, <laughs> um, but he uh, he he had less than a point a game.
1: And it was 38 games. He de- he should be relegated. He deserves that on his CV. He should be sacked and they should still put relegation on his CV. Um. Yeah, well... The last game, know. what, lost 2-0 against West Ham, who aren't fantastic anyway. Where are they sitting? Oh, joint bottom with Southampton, also terrible. You're letting teams like Bournemouth be ahead of you. You know?
0: They've got a... Well, this is the thing that the the bottom seven are separated by three points at the moment.
1: Then, yeah, it's ma- it's madness.
0: Leeds are the only one that have a game in hand, so it's reasonably accurate. Uh, you know, if Everton win to the next two, they look pretty good. It's it's kind of hard to say, really, isn't it? Like, you know, I don't think Frank Lampard was doing a good job at all. I was reading uh, the Mixer by uh, Michael Cox which which uh, you read as well and they yeah, were talking about nice. Frank Lampard actually um, how Frank Lampard used to train and he was like really intensely focused on doing individual drills by himself uh, you know drills where he'd be just like doing slide tackles without a ball and he'd just like run from the, like one cone to another doing slide tackles and that was like his training he was really focused on, like, getting his physical.
1: On isolation and, and off, like, yeah, isolated practice. That's quite interesting. I kind of love, I would love to, f- for some sort of sketch show to be like, oh, and it's not going well at Everton, they sit joint bottom of the table, let's head over to um, Finch Farm or whatever, I don't know what, they, what their training ground's called, let's head over there and see how training's going, and they're all just lined up, charging forwards, slide tackling, no one running back to a cone. <laughs> That could be nice, but having said that, look, we cut not the playing career. The guy was the guy was a joke. The guy was incredible. Um, but clearly, oh, yeah, of course, it's it's you know something something isn't right. He had a talented he had a squad at Chelsea where everyone thought he did well, and then Tuchel comes in, just wins the Champions League immediately, and we go, oh, that's some perspective. Um, Derby, Derby, well. Derby they were always trying to get promoted and they didn't get promoted and he also had players like Fikayo Tomori and he had Mason Mount there and look they were young um, and they were raw but they were clearly very talented we know that now Um, and now at Everton I I like the midfield is the thing I think it's a nice midfield I think Onana um, Gay and and, uh, Iwobi as a midfield free is fun I think it could be functional but even patterson i don't think is a terrible I he's shown signs of being i don't know if he's injured now but he's shown signs of being a good signing and he's young um but no goal threat a shambles when they lose the ball and and are in sort of defensive transition so it's a recipe for disaster and it's his job to fix those things and they ain't been getting fixed
0: yeah well it does seem to be the attack as well as a real weak point if you think about like uh, the rumored transfer bids in the last like what a year ago or whatever it was, where Calvert Lewin was valued at like eighty million and Anthony Gordon at like sixty million, and you look at those players now, yeah, feels pretty weird. Yeah,
1: um, awful business, and they've got no money. They've got no money to to because of financial fair play and things. I'm pretty sure I've read a few articles about them having you know restrictions because of how. They spent and how stupidly they spent before. Now, yeah, of course. you know, over that year, the period of the, the group of years that financial fair play looks at to, to see if you're balancing the books and things, they've 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 splashed it all on terrible players already. And then you have got Dominic calvert who's never fit. And oh, we need goals. Let's sign Neil Mopey, the
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Anti XG. Yeah, you underperformed at Brighton, I think you'd say. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was like, yeah, their restrictions <laughs> came in like, not not the restrictions, but the uh, lack of ability to splash the cash came in last season, really, didn't it? Because they uh, they brought in our uh, our friend and Just who is an Iron Robin for, for the, yeah, free, and yeah. they bought in Demari Gray, didn't they? For, yeah, like, for like three mil, twenty five p, or whatever. Yeah.
1: Which, yes. which is to be fair, is kind of a shrewd bit of business. But if it's if if the team's already fine, right?
0: It's not like a long term plan either, though.
1: So yeah, Everton are a mess, terribly run. Hopefully, they get relegated. To be honest, because that'd be quite
0: entertaining. I think they're not; they don't feel too big to go down. They feel very much in danger no
1: because they've been bad for ages as well the squad's a a bit of a shambles and yeah they definitely don't they definitely don't especially with how competitive the league is you look above them and it's teams like Wolves, West Ham Leeds, Leicester okay Nottingham Forest are there as well but you know someone's got to go down right do you want
0: to say who? first hot take of uh,
1: 2023 um Sam, we'll have a quick look at who I had to go down at the start of the season because I can't remember. I, I, We we wrote it down and then forgot. I wrote down two different options that I that I thought. Bournemouth, Everton and Fulham. Never going to happen because Fulham are... Well, Fulham are breaking up the top six. They're, uh... <laughs> you know? They're huge. Fulham are massive, as my dear friend Jason Goss keeps reminding me. Um, and... The other one was Bournemouth Leeds Everton, which you know what? Could happen. If Southampton would buck their ideas up, you never know. <laughs> Are you backing
0: uh, uh, Nathan Jones?
1: Maybe I should start backing Nathan Jones, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I uh, maybe I've maybe I've got something I could have had right here on the cards. <laughs> uh I don't I, I really don't know what to think about Southampton. To be honest. Um Nathan Jones, I think it's bold, what they did going for him. Uh, I don't think you... I think there's better options out there, surely. Um, he has done well. And I know people have... I've I've seen a few interviews where people are speaking of him very highly. Apparently he loves a PowerPoint presentation, telling players where they need to improve their game and sitting down with individuals and, and studying their game and how he would use them. Apparently there were, there were talks of when he... Um, I don't know if it was the Luton job... But when he was going for the job, he came in with like a a huge um, dossier essentially of just like everyone and how he would play them and all players, how he'd play them, where they need to improve, how he could get the best out of them, how he'd utilise them, everything like that, which is, which is great. But it's an unforgiving league and it's a poor squad and things could get bad pretty quickly. But then they do have Mr. James Ward-Prowse, so never say never.
0: Um, did you want to talk about Leeds, the other, the other one that's down there?
1: The other one down there, yeah. I did want to talk about. Well, okay. So I've always thought this is my this is my uh, train of thought with Leeds. I've always thought it's fantastic to if you're if you're looking at signing players, you need to have a clear philosophy that they're going to fit into and you have to have a a manager that fits that philosophy, right? And then you can go and build a squad around it, okay? However, if that philosophy is very particular, if the manager's system is very defined and you bring in a whole load of players to fit them and it doesn't work and you sack the manager, what do you then do with an influx of Americans which is fine they're good players but they're all it's all very high intensity press aggressively leave big spaces but we're going to be in people's faces to be able to deny time on the ball so that they can hurt us the the spaces that we in the space that we're leaving in behind um it's it's high energy and, and and I and I like that kind of football right but if you're down the bottom of the table, you, you there's a reason why Sam Allardyce, the dinosaur that he was, and and, and uh, well, actually, I've been reading the mixer. Dinosaur might be harsh, but that genre of grinding out results and being defensively sound first got kept teams in the in the in the division. This is the Premier League. There's so much money at stake that you have to stay in it. End of, right? You just have to stay in the division. You don't care how you're playing. You don't care if it's exciting to watch or not. You have to stay in the division first and foremost. And let's say Leeds do get sucked into a proper relegation scrap. They've signed all of these sort of, uh, the these, these players that are playing a, a very specific brand of football. Half of them are from, uh, Red Bull teams that Jesse Marsh has, you know, coached, and and things like that. I just think you're you're, box, you're you're shoehorning yourself into a a position, and you need to be able to get out of it if if need be. So I'm I'm a bit split on it because I like I've always thought previously it's important to back a manager's style and philosophy in the window with the right kinds of players, but actually. Objective A: Stay in the division. And it might be well and good if you're in a position where you're higher up the table and you're and you're doing this, but you have to have the quality
0: to be higher up the table. and And at the moment, they're not in a position where they're there. But at the end of the day, as well, like say Jesse Marsh gets all these, uh, you know, slightly young players in and starts adapting to the adapting them to the system and getting them really familiar with it, and they it's, still do get relegated. They they could just keep him on and then, you know, that high intensity play should transfer to the championship. And, you know, obviously there's no guarantee that they come back up, but it could be worth sticking with him for a little bit.
1: Yeah, but think of the wage bill. I'm sorry, but Weston McKenney's being linked That's with him and, and he's he's at Juventus, isn't he? He's not going to be on peanuts.
0: That's true. Are there might play- be some sort of clause. Yeah. big Big old relegation clause, I don't know.
1: Yeah, there must be. There must be. But and and, and yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that. It, yeah, it might not be the end of the world. But the championship's a difficult place to get promoted from as well. You know, it's not.
0: I do agree. I'm just. Uh, no, but I like. Yeah,
1: I understand the point. I understand the point.
0: But I, I, but look, this is the problem
1: with with lower lower placed Premier League teams. You look at Palace. The the reason Patrick Vieira has done such a good job that even though they're not. You know they're not sensational or anything, but because they, he's turned them from a team that were um, sturdy and resolute into one that is exciting, right? Um, and they're still okay, you know. And and the same with look what David Moyes wants to do with West Ham. I, I was watching, I listened to a Diary of a CEO a podcast with David Moyes. And it was interesting hearing, you know, first off, his his background and everything, but hearing him talk about the different places he's been. But he, he spoke about wanting to build a new West Ham. And, uh, you know, you're going from... Last season, they were fantastic and they had success, but... It doesn't mean it's just going to... The, the the division is so hard that it doesn't mean it just it just rolls into the next season. There's always going to be changes, there's always going to be transitions, even if it's not a full-blown transition. You're They went from having Mikel Antonio to then him not playing too much, but Skamaka coming in, but they couldn't quite adapt his game to... The, well, whatever the reason, they haven't been successful um, mm. this season. And now they find themselves in the scrap again, and I think they'll be fine, But but the point being is that we all want to play nice football, but do you want to play nice football and go down, or do you want to do you want to stay in the division? You know, look, I had these I had these issues, Sam, when I was taking on that Crystal Palace task on Football Manager when we were playing that save together, and all I wanted to do was get Divokarigi in, and it was a nightmare.
0: <laughs> it didn't work out. Uh, let's put it that way.
1: It didn't work out. Is the moral of the story?
0: <laughs> so you have to you have to give in at some point. The interesting thing, though, with West Ham is actually, though, that I think they did drop off a bit last season. Mikel Antonio went absolutely ages without scoring. Uh, and a, a lot of it was down to their long Europa League run as well, of course. But, um, yeah, they, they were like, yeah. you you can see. There were signs. If you look real close and you play a lot of FPL and you follow lots of Twitter people, you, you see these little bits Because the same happened with Arsenal as well. It's like uh, Arteta comes in and plays uh, pretty slightly boring football with Aubameyang as a major outlet, wins the FA Cup in the first season because he's taking over from this Emery side that has made a lot of bad signings and has regressed really. Uh, And then once you've got that foundation where they're actually doing okay, you can start that rebuild of, like, get out everyone, and then that's when you start playing better. But
1: Yeah, I mean, look at Liverpool now. We're down in ninth, and and we're vulnerable. At at any time, the first line of pressure gets broken, we just look like we can get cut apart. Um, And and no one's too big to struggle, you know. Uh, You know, we say too big to get relegated, but also just too big to... We were so dominant, and yet there were signs last season that things were... Uh, no, we were on the quadruple last season. Uh, more sad, more sadness
0: as we look back with fond memories um, of what of what once was. Oh, okay. Well, the next thing I was going to say was going to make you even more sad. I think. Should I just get it over? Go with? on then. Well, because I found out your uh, your official Premier League prediction of last uh, of this season, obviously. Oh no! Do you want to know your... Did I get a Liverpool top? Well, you did. Yeah.
1: Okay, but that's fine, because that's driven by bias and emotion, so, you know.
0: Would you like to know your bottom you know. three, because we were talking about this? Yeah, go on then. So, in 20th, you have Nottingham Forest. Uh, <sighs> yeah. 19th, well, it could still happen, couldn't it? 19th is Bournemouth, which, yep, fine. In 18th, you have Brentford. Why, <sighs> Why? Why don't you like Brentford? Uh, I it's not like I don't like them. It's second season syndrome, you know, it comes for us all Sam. It's uh it's not a thing though, actually. It is a thing. It's, it's a myth. There's a uh, there's a video on Tifo with uh, with Mark Carey about it where Yeah, you know, it's like Sheffield United had it. But you only remember like the teams that have it. A lot of teams go down first season anyway, I think. But the teams that stay up okay, more see. often than not it's like a do confirmation well. bias. Yeah, you don't remember when a team comes 16th and then 14th the next season. Or, 40, or yeah, okay. 14th and 16th, okay. I suppose. Yeah. Look,
1: I'm sorry, I didn't... Look at the names, though. Look at the names. I'm allowed to not believe in, in that. I should have known, uh, you know, Thomas Frank and... Is it Justin Cochrane? He's like head of head of coaching development and something. That's quite a cool title to have, especially for Brentford. That's quite a fashionable thing, I feel, you know. That's like an
0: accessory. Can I just talk about Thomas Frank? Yeah, absolutely. Do, you, do you know Thomas Frank's, like, life story? No. Because he... Was he at Mitchland? No.
1: No. Okay, he was sorry. at... No, hit he me. was at
0: Brundby. I hope I pronounced
1: that right. Okay. He, uh... Well, he's... But life story. Come on, life story. Well, you built that up. A lot.
0: <laughs> not... His life story in, uh... In football. Um. No, I want to know his GCSE results. Right, anyway. Sorry, <laughs> Um... Oh, well, this is annoying because I think his Wikipedia page has been edited recently. Um, but he, he started off as, like, he started off as coaching, like, uh, like under eights or something, under nines. Like, he wasn't really a football player. He, he was, like, not professional. He was an amateur football player. And then he well, coached.
1: We always like that. We always like that. He, he, There's hope for us yet. You
0: know, he just worked his way. He's worked his way up through Denmark. He did... Uh, like the under 16s at Denmark eventually and then eventually got uh assistant manager at Brentford and then they just kept him on because he was like seen pretty good with all the all the players.
1: That's a, that's a nice story though. We always like a we always like a come up through the coaching ranks and system. Do we have anything else that we need to uh discuss? Have you got any FPL tips of the week? It's your FPL tip of the week.
0: Uh well, there's no games this week, so nope, nothing to say. <laughs> okay, <laughs> wait, wait until okay. the FA Cup. What's matches. your FA Cup upset of the week? Uh, okay. Well, this has been sprung on me a little bit. You, you have to say,
1: yeah, you can um as many times as you want. I'm gonna go. Akrit and Stanley are gonna beat Leeds. No, no way. <laughs> and I'm also gonna say that yeah, because Leeds, you know that it's not gonna happen. Um, okay, I'm gonna say that. It's not too many fun ones, you know. You can't even say like Brighton are going to beat Liverpool is a fun one. That's like no, I'd be impressed. I'd, I'd yeah, I'd be I'd be happy if we did That'd be an upset. No, I shouldn't be so depressed. Let's say that Wrexham. Let's say that Wrexham beat Sheffield. hey? chef, chef, you, <laughs> not Sheffield. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> I've got Chris Wilder in my ear going, chef, you, Mark, chef, you. There's two teams in Sheffield. Is that why he calls
0: them chef, you?
1: Uh, I think so, yeah, because of Sheffield Wednesday, people were saying Sheffield No, I know. He would
0: correct them
1: every time and be like, Chef you, Mark, Chef you. I thought they
0: were United or Blades, or played, so I never heard them called Chef you. Well, yeah,
1: but he's Chris Wilder, isn't he? Does what he wants. <coughs> and Chef you coming out of Chris Wilder's mouth is far more impressive. Here are Leicester playing. They're a team that can get beat by anyone. Walsall mm, could be a challenge.
0: I'm going to go uh, Bristol City beat West Brom, is that upset? I can tell
1: you that's definitely not going to happen. Bristol <laughs> City is shocking. In fact, in fact, I'll call out Nigel Pearson now and tell him that he's an ostrich <laughs> and his head's in the sand, because Bristol City shambles, mate. I actually watched the last FA Cup game, there you go, for Bristol City against Swansea, and I'll tell you what, they were dreadful. Um, They couldn't get near Joe Allen. He just... Looked sensational, but he's a good player. But he, they couldn't get near it. Joe Allen and and Matt Grimes, who were just popping it about in midfield. And they got very lucky. And um, although Swansea didn't create much either, but they they like nicked an equaliser, took it to a replay, and uh, did Swansea at their place. So there you go.
0: I've just found out that Joe Allen is still at Swansea. Is this is this real? Is this? Well, he's gone. He, he's not still there.
1: He has had a career in between, but uh, yes, he's gone back there.
0: Who else is there? The angel Rangel is he still playing? No, what's that guy no, called? Chico Chico, called? Chico Flores. There?
1: Chico Chico Flores.
0: <laughs> Michu, Michu's up top. Oh yeah.
1: Uh, God, that'd be beautiful. That'd be beautiful. Get the band back together. Man, what a team that was.
0: Um, yeah, inspired many a many a young boy down the park. Actually, uh, it was the uh, it was the done thing to. Uh, Overplay every attacking situation and call it a Swansea.
1: Absolutely, it was invoke. Yeah, Leon Britton, get him back, get him back, balling. You know, he's coaching these days, I think Leon Britton actually. Coaching who? I don't know. Leon Britton, the Welsh Welshy, comes up next to it as he, soon as you put it. in He's, he's, he's English. What? No, it doesn't. Um, one meter sixty three. Leon Britton returns to take up new role at Swansea City. Swansea City can confirm club legend Leon Britton has returned to take up a new player mentor role within the academy. Britton had previously been sporting director until June 2020. While well, he served the club with distinction during a 16-year spell that amassed 537 appearances, three promotions and League Cup success. There you go. In 2021, he played for Amanford 11 times. Amanford Association Football Club is a football club from Amanford. He was just balling out for Amanford. Amanford. Well, this is the things you learn. This, and uh, this is not going. In. You know, I don't want to wrap it up prematurely, but that seems like a good pressing matter to end on, is where Leon Britton has been. You
0: know, playing his twilight years. Uh, yeah, most of that was getting cut. <laughs> What he um he did portray a young Ryan Giggs in a road safety advert in the nineties.
1: It should stay in. It should stay in.
0: Yeah, it's not. Well, I think that covers all of the pressing matters of this week. We'll see what happens next week because it's the FA Cup. Might might be a weird one. We'll see if any upsets happen that are interesting. If not, uh, I don't know. Something will happen. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we can't we can't
1: hate the FA Cup so much that you know it could be a weird episode. But maybe we maybe we come up with some fun. Maybe we come up with a quiz or something. Maybe we come up with some questions. Me- or maybe we just d- dedicate an episode to Leon Britton. Um, I'm sure everyone would be very happy to hear that.
0: Yeah, if if you just read this entire Wikipedia page, I think that would fill an hour.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we see what kind of Wikipedia rabbit hole we can go down, starting at Leon Britton.
0: Alright, well, we'll look forward to that. Uh, See you then. Bye.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. See you later.